Hello and good, I was going to say good morning. I'm so used to doing morning podcasts at the moment. Um, so hi, my name is Steve Pugh. It is Tuesday, the 9th of May here in the UK. Uh, basically, I do something called a growth strategy podcast where I try and introduce you to really interesting people that have got a great kind of story to tell. And that story is often based around entrepreneurship and business, uh, but also really interesting topics that we're going to kind of touch on today. So Lee is actually someone that I've seen around on socials for about two, three years now really fascinating guy never afraid to talk about his own journey and what he's done and that kind of thing and actually just as a fellow kind of creator because it is a lot harder than you think to actually do this kind of thing he's someone that i've wanted to get on the podcast for a while and we've got a lot of mutual friends we've got a lot of really kind of good stuff that we want to talk about uh, so if you join us for the next kind of 40 minutes or so uh, nothing is off limits so if you want to ask any questions or anything and actually we've already had a few in which we're going to ask um send it in the chat and it should pop up on my screen and uh, yeah hopefully you enjoy this so lee there we go. Everyone can now kind of see you and hear you. Um, would you be happy to give us a quick kind of 20, 60 second intro just on who you are and where you're from? Yeah, thanks, Steve. And thanks for having me on. I'm very grateful to, to jump on and for the opportunity. Um, my name's Lee Flanagan. I'm from Middlesbrough. Well, from Winniebanks, that's in Middlesbrough. <laughs> Important to get that bit in TS5. Um, I'm the leader of a company called Bespoke Financial Group. And um, yeah, we specialize in life insurance and father, very, very proud father of some beautiful children that I pull up my eye, mate. Yeah, cool. So yeah, we've got some mutual friends and mutual kind of guests. So Chloe Clover, um, who's the reason why we're not doing this yesterday, even though it was canceled, but it's cool. But, it's, yeah, yeah. but, like, like, but what I've really loved, because when you first popped on my radar was, was it called The Underdogs? Was that series that kind of started to pop up? and mm. the point is you know we're going to talk about branding and social media yeah. and content and stuff but i wouldn't know that you existed if you didn't do that and the point is one of the hardest things the same as fitness anyone could do something once but to do it repeatedly for months mm. if not years it just builds momentum and i know you've got your concepts called little bricks as well mm. and i just if you're happy to can we start on that if you're happy to tell people what the little bricks concept because I, I love it and i think it'll just help build for the rest of the the interview if that's cool. yeah. of course yeah well first of all chloe um her and lou are very good friends of mine at wonder films superb at what they do but better people and we did a project three year ago this year called The Underdogs, which is a five-part Fly on the Wall documentary series. We're actually filming series two now, um, which is a real series, an update from last time, but actually tells the real story and quite a few things. Um, so we're, we're very excited about that. And Little Bricks, Little Bricks is, for, for me, it's, it's just how I live my life. I think if you, you know, one day at a time is how addicts live. I look at like a big giant castle and it's, it's made up of the little bricks that build it. So we're all of some small parts. People focus too much on the actual product, but not enough on the process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the most important part of, of any journey or, or sequence. And it was initially something I got from a book um, from an author called W. Clement Stone. It was the founder of a company called Combine Insurance Company of America. He was from Chicago and he was... He had a say, one of his sayings was little hinges swing big doors. So I took, it, took that on and bad. little bricks, little big castles. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know what? It's just a way of life for me. It's focusing on the little things. And the big things just take care of themselves because it can be fucking daunting looking at mm -hmm. the end goal, the top of the mountain. I think oh, it's a long way. 
And that's when usually people get faced and just drop. But instead of being, I mean, that drives me crazy when people say, what's your five-year goal? Why don't we just focus on getting through today and then do, do the same, if not better, tomorrow? And repetition over consistency is more important for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's spot on. I'm completely the same as that. You know, we're both ambitious guys that want to do big things, and it is daunting. That I know, I do know where I want to be in five, ten years' time. But the funny thing is, is that when you tackle it and you you think, oh, "Fucking hell, how am I ever going to get to that point?" But actually, I have a list. Quite literally, I have a frame on my desk of the, mm-hmm. there's twelve items that if I do one of them every day, and they're only really small, that in time it will kind of compound and grow that it's i know you're really into your fitness as well so yeah if you you know go to the gym once okay yeah fine but you need to do it day after mm. day and work on you know know what you do and have that consistency too yeah mm. yeah i think gyms at the gym or sport is a great point of reference for both life mm-hmm. business um any form of success it's about consistency it's about sacrifice it's about turning up when you don't want to mm-hmm. it's about doing things that you don't really enjoy and going for pushing through them barriers and going new levels, new devils, um, and, and having a good body or being fit, that's just a byproduct of the lifestyle that you put in beforehand, mm-hmm. the sacrifice, the commitment, the work, being a successful business owner or entrepreneur, that's just a byproduct of your, of your behaviors, mm-hmm. your habits and your patterns. So it's a wonderful point of reference. And we quite often use it in our sales training, in our recruitment, just in our, our, our lingo in general. It's, we always use sport or fitness is a point of reference because it's so real mm-hmm. and i think people understand it because on, on the flip side of that as well it's always easy you put up a really good post the other day and ironically my wife really resonated with it and it was to do with actually it was when you have one of those sleepless nights and you got stuff running through your head and it starts to escalate and stuff mm-hmm. but you know so okay my wife is from darlow but she's a partner in a law firm but she rarely got what you were talking about mm-hmm. but the point is it's it's you mm-hmm. are now conditioned to not be afraid to talk about stuff in your own journey and put your honest thoughts out there mm. and actually people relate to it because it's scary to do and it's hard to but the point is when we're talking about the little bricks and the momentum mm. if someone just does that post once fine but the way that you can almost build trust over time and build it to eventually leads to longer content and you know it's when people get to know you so that i, I really enjoyed your interview with chloe on her channel and she was saying that was she down with you at a bigger warrants dinner and some someone thought you were famous and they're like oh, it's neither best in the end but the point is people know who you are because you do this stuff and it's just that's why it's so valuable um mm. one of the things i'm always keen to do is actually go back into like people's childhood and backstory because there'll be kids growing up in ts5 now who might be having a tough time you know there's a lot of school exams and stuff coming up but yeah. so many people like when i was at school true story the careers talk that we had was don't go to prison and we had a guy from walton prison come into my local school and basically tell you that when you first go into prison you have three fights mm-hmm. and that was the incentive yeah. that they said to us about mm-hmm. you know it wasn't aspirational but the point is and business entrepreneurship wasn't even a thing back in some i was born in 83 but the point is when especially when this goes on to youtube and that kind of thing there might be someone that catches this maybe not for four years time but mm. they're having a shit time school isn't for them they're trying to yeah. figure out what can they do and to see someone yeah. that's from their postcode i think it's really important so you said you're from ts5 what were you like at school what were you like as a kid oh okay i am from ts5 and it's really important where you're from and being proud of where you're from a big thing about what differentiates us from other people in financial services steve is that we're really proud of where we're from mm-hmm. i will swear 
I'll say what I think. I'll talk about drugs, mental health, struggles, whatever else, because otherwise social media becomes some form of highlight reel of what people want you to see. I mean, when you know the people who are posting, you think then, I must know a different person. Like, so it gets quite short. Yeah. It has a short shelf life, right, because of that. Um, what was like as a kid? Well, in the 80s, I'm an 81 kid, so I'm 41 in June. Middlesbrough in the 80s was a wonderful place to live. Nothing but love in my heart and in my, um, you know, in my memories about that time. I remember being one of the only kids in the school, me and my sister Louise, just in the room next door, she runs our admin department. She won administrator of the year last year as well, so across all financial services, which we're very proud of. Um, we were the only, I think one of three kids I can remember in our year group whose kids, whose parents had separated. Okay. The jump from our honey got to school and me and her mum had separated, but we're still good friends, me and Lindsay. Um, as I am with all, all my kids' mums, you know, very lucky that the brilliant mum, Steve, was that it's the other way around. Now. Not many kids actually, parents stay together. Yeah. That was quite a culture shift. We were the odd ones out because our parents stay together. And I knew my, my dad was a bit different. Um, he worked the doors, um, he was a bodybuilder. And yeah, it, it was a little bit different. We didn't come from a normal family. That was quite evident to me early on. A couple of my uncles did really long terms in prison. Mm -hmm. Drugs was quite the norm mm -hmm. in our area. And, and meant, you know, when you look at people to look up to, mentors, heroes, you were always looking up to either a hard man or a drug dealer or the local gangster. And that was, that was I don't know if that's just side, but that was many mm -hmm. council estates across the north of England in the 80s. Um, but you know what, I learned some real values across from that area that, that have, have, have held me right across my life, right the way across it, you know, that we've now took into, into this job. And yeah, as a kid, I probably had special education needs. I don't think there's any two words about that. If you meet me for longer than 30 seconds, you think he's a little bit different. Um, and my daughter, Honey, who's, who's my princess, is, is autistic. And the more you learn about me, you think, oh yeah, I probably had that, but at school, it was just a case of, I think they used to say I had Sabitis dance. I was naughty, I was opinionated, but I was just a little bit different, I feel. So, but yeah, childhood was great. Childhood the was great. the reason it. why I found it really interesting is that a lot of entrepreneurs were rebellious and naughty. I probably had more detentions than most. And it was just, for me, I just, I used to get bored. But what was also quite funny is that my parents got divorced when I was probably about 10 or 11. And then it was at that age where I'd just gone to secondary school and you start getting into a bit of trouble. And I wasn't doing it on purpose. It was just, I was rebelling a bit because I was unhappy, you know, but it's easy and, you know, to see how mm. things kind of, you yeah. know, can develop over time. But the funny thing is a lot of people that go on to have a drive and stuff in life and really push hard to, you know, work hard and do great stuff often have challenge in their backstory because it gives you that yeah. fire to really kind of go. So then how did you get into what you're doing now? How, what did you do like through school? Did you leave school at 16? Did you go to uni, what, yeah. what did you do next? Yeah, I think just before I touch on that part, challenges as a kid growing up, I was always like a bedwetter. until I was about 13, 14. Okay. And it was, that was a massive thing in my life, wetting the bed, not being able to sleep out, going to a football tournament. I always wet the bed. It's linked to a couple of incidents from childhood. Um, I can see now from counseling and it's a mm -hmm. time with Sarah, who's my counselor stroke, somebody who I love very much, my friend, my dear, dear friend. Um, 
and then people who are successful, I, I, I agree there's some sort of childhood trauma to drive there. I also feel that this, from, from, from a special education need, there's something there where you know, people who are sort of on the spectrum mm-hmm. seem to excel in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And then people who've got addiction issues. Richard Kills, my mentor, who's, who's from Geordie Land, he says to me, all of, in, in our industry, but he, he uses sport, movies, music, art, the special ones, like, they're all a little bit different. They're all a bit mad. Mm-hmm. The, the, you have to be to be the, to be the special one or to be the number one. You've got to be odd to be number one. And, and I, really, I, I really, I like to study greatness. I'm always studying, you know, different people, whether it be a billionaire, an entrepreneur, or a great leader, or a, a sports person, or a sport. I always look at them, and they always are a little bit different. I totally mm-hmm. agree with what you've just said there, yeah? Yeah. Because what I always um, find quite funny, is just to jump in on that, is that with, yeah. I've got this one theory... And like, don't get me wrong, a lot of people I grew up with think I'm posh now, but it's almost where, you know, I just, because I went to uni and did quite well, but I think working class people have got a very good bullshit meter. You can tell within very quickly if someone's full of shit or not. And it's, I think it's, especially what we both do and we, you know, do social media and stuff. You get a lot of people that just chat shit and they talk the talk about stuff, but you know, there's no real substance there. They don't, there's no real drive. They're kind of just doing it for the sake of it. But I do think that, you know, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, I would have been jealous of people that had private school education and all the stuff that I oh. didn't have. So my mum yeah. raised two boys and she worked her ass off multiple shifts and jobs to, to do what she did. Uh-huh. And I learned from that. And I used to be jealous of people that go on foreign holidays and do all this stuff that now yeah. I'm fortunate enough to do. But it's that kind of, yeah. I, I wouldn't change it. I would yeah. have if you would have asked me when I was 16, 18, whatever. But actually, mm. so then what did yeah. you do after school? I, I I agree with you. By the way, I, I um I was I was the worst hater and jealous person in the world for such a long time. I carried such envy and jealousy um, in my heart for people who were being successful or people who had nice things or people who were, were actually excelling in life. Mm-hmm. And all it was was just me being unhappy with me, but also the conditioning we got as a child mm-hmm. from the estate. Mm-hmm. that don't trust the rich they're trying to steal from you they all got the money by ill-gotten gains um they'll have a big mortgage but no food in the fridge it's all on tick it's all on finance all on the credit cards it was always that that they're mm-hmm. taking from mm-hmm. us some. now i carried that into my career and it was a, a real drive for me from a long time i'd argue with london i'd do videos about the london lot we'll beat them they're soft fuck them they get bigger premiums and I, you know what? I think at, at some level, though, you need that level of ignorance to sort of excel to a degree before you evolve and start to, to grow. I absolutely needed that level of ignorance. It needed someone as ignorant as me to step up and beat them people. If he didn't have that level of ignorance and, and venom inside of me, I wouldn't have been able to, to perform the way I did, help others in this wonderful team I'm, I'm part of, reach the heights that they did in some small way if I didn't have that driver of hating these people and it was hatred for me. I, think- like I, I fucking hated them. I wanted to beat them so bad. A daddy's boys, fuck him, we can beat them, we'll show them. And it used to keep me awake. Like, and now I think, whatever, it's not their fault. You know, it's like, yeah. I, it, to be honest with you, they can have five rich parents, I don't give a fuck, I'll, we'll beat them anyway. It doesn't really... Because you you get you, you become comfortable with who you are and you grow as a person. 
But mate, I can relate to you and I really admire you for being so open and honest about it. Because one of the things, it was actually, it was on a podcast and this, I genuinely, I, whenever you do anything, you have to find something you love. And I love this. I love talking to people. <clears throat> and I can't remember which guest it was. And they actually didn't grow up that far from me, but they, their life went a different route. So they went to private school. He, he admitted they had quite rich parents and they had rich friends mm. growing mm. up. And I had a chip on my shoulder that rich people didn't work as hard. And that was my background. And he kind of, when we were talking through, I realized that that probably was just a bias that I had that probably wasn't true, mm. but I still, you know, it's just, it's part of the fuel that gives me the juice to do what I want to do. Yeah. But with, when you get a bit older, you get a bit wiser and you learn to kind of mm. look at stuff differently. Yeah, you do. But I still don't want to lose the kind of that thing. Cause I know that's something that other people don't have. It's that gear. And honestly, the way that I always think about it is that we both probably had to work twice as hard or harder than some people mm. to get to the same level. But actually, because we've had to graph to get to that point, we know how to work at that speed. As yeah. why I think a lot of people don't. And I, I've got friends that went to, you know, two parents growing up, middle class, went to Cambridge, got the first job, piece of piss. They never really had to graph. They just kind of got everything. Mm. And they get to a certain point in their career where kind of plateaus because suddenly yeah. they don't know how to work hard. And then you get mm. the people that are working class that, you know, manage to yeah. keep up. And they could fight through and so i actually think it's a superpower now for a lot of people if you've got that kind of background and drive um mm. so tell you what, can you tell us a bit about bespoke and what you guys do and your backgrounds yeah. just uh, i yeah. think it'd be quite interesting of course yeah uh yeah but i agree you need a chip on your shoulder you do need a chip on your shoulder but on the same token it's interesting the narrative we create for ourselves mm -hmm. um the role in the movie that we give ourselves and the financial condition that the secrets of the millionaire mind have you read that no by T. Half Echo, read that. And the conditioning we get from children creates our outlook in adult life. Money doesn't grow on, on trees, can never ice cream, nor get a chalk ice. Um, yeah. Do you think I'm made of money? All them things, the rich steal from us, all it, it just creates our outlook, but actually it's created a real chip in our shoulders. Now, if you know how to use that as a drive, which you've done, and all credit to you, mate, fair play to you. Do you know uh, David Goggins? Yeah. So his stuff, he's similar. To, obviously, you know his story, but the um, yeah. he's got that fire inside him. That uh, have you read his book? He had a lot of childhood trauma yeah. as well. Yeah, I do. But the um, like, this he that guy's crazy. I love it. I respect. I respect him. Mm -hmm. But it's just, uh, yeah. Anyway, so this is oh, about yeah, you. Know? Brilliant. That's brilliant. So the school question. I left school. I went to Ackland Grade School. I left there when I was obviously fifteen. Mm -hmm. 16. Um, I went and played football for Hull City. Wow. I lived down there for three years. Wonderful experience. Great memories. Come home, played local football in the Northern League mm -hmm. for Billingham Synthonia, which is my club. Um, and I ended up getting a job in a warehouse at Magnet Kitchens, picking on a fault, not a fault, a stand on picking truck yeah, for nine years. Um, I did three rotating shifts. No disrespect to anybody who works in the world, but yeah. I, I hated it. Honestly, I, I can look back now and I can understand that, you know what, you're going to spend 40, up to nearly 200 hours a, a, a month mm -hmm. doing your job with other people. Now that influences your way of thinking, your mindset, your goals, everything. And if you don't do something that you love, you're not going to enjoy your life and you're not going to be at your best 
for your family and for people around you. And that played a massive part of that job in my previous demise when I really fell off and nearly died through drugs and addiction and my mental health. It was a lot of it to do with where I was, what I was doing. I, I hated it that much. I was that unhappy in my job. And if you're that unhappy in your job, doing something 200 hours a month, it's going to play out in your real life. Mm -hmm. It's going to play out. Um, and I ended up losing my job after nine years. I was badly addicted to drugs. I stopped playing football. I got in all sorts of trouble with money to not to good people. Mm -hmm. Got my house repossessed. Honey's mum, Lindsay, left me, rightly so. And I ended up just roaming the streets, party to party, effectively homeless. 70 or 100 grand's worth of debt, I, I don't really know how much it was, because it's something I've just like, decompacted. We're great as human beings, we decompact, put it in the box and shot it in the attic. Um, and I did that with that, that dark period. What age? I remember was this? I, I was 27, 28, okay. from about the age of 27 to 28, 29. Uh, I was just severely on drugs. I overdosed. I, I don't know how many, how many times I overdosed. I don't know. My sister seems to think four. I think two. I don't. I don't know the answer, which probably tells you where I was at the time. Um, death, embarrassment. I could show you. You might have seen some of the pictures where I had no teeth and I was gaunt, and um, I was in a dark place. But I met a nice girl. Mum took me in. I ended up moving with it, moving in with a nice girl. Uh, she had a beautiful little boy. I had a beautiful little girl. We got a relationship going. Um, I was still an addict, but just not every day an addict because I got a job selling insurance for Combine. You remember the man I told you about who had little interest in Big Doors? It was his company. I got a job working as a sales advisor for that company. I got myself out, started selling insurance. Um, and you naturally, if, if people always say, you know what, that was 13 years ago, next week. And on the train, I was, the night of the, I was going to do my training course on Sunday night, I was going down there, 20 quid in my pocket. I snuck a gram of MCAT. Remember MCAT? No. The plant fertilizer. Okay. No, I don't. But... I snuck a gram of that with me and I did it all on the, on the first night. Sat like out of my fucking mind in a room, sharing a, a room with a, a car salesman called Dave Barnes from Brighouse near Halifax. I spent my 20 quid in the bar and beer. Mm -hmm. They provided breakfast each morning. That was it. So I had to go 24 hours, mm -hmm. 24 hours to eat another meal again. I had one shirt that I had washed in the bathtub every single night. Soaking wet on the Friday when I did the course, it was stuck to me. You can see mm -hmm. my nipples and fucking soaking my shirt, Steve. That's where addiction took me. That's the man that I become. And it wasn't a good man. Um, but the insurance gods smiled upon me. They gave me an opportunity. And I worked really fucking hard. Like, I, I think one of my gifts that God's blessed me with is my work ethic. Yeah. I, I don't believe that anybody can work me. Because with I don't, I don't believe that from stuff that I've seen before. Can you talk about how you got your break? Because wasn't it you mm. met a guy in a pub and he just recognised your talent? You can tell it better than I can, but it's just I think it'd be because obviously what we're then doing it, it's moving from where you were mm. to fast yeah. forward thirteen years. But at some right. point, some takes a you know a chance on you. Yeah, well, I went to MetLife and a guy called Christian Reid, one of my best mates, Chris Rooney, introduced me to him, got me an interview. I went on the training course, got my head down my ass up. I had a lot of good people around me. My partner at the time, um, family, friends, stuck by me. 
Now, that was a really tough time because I was going to club dressing rooms to speak to people about life insurance. These are my ex-teammates. I had no teeth. They knew my fall from grace. They knew where I'd been. That takes a lot of fucking... I look back and I'm actually half proud that I, I had the balls to stand up and to keep turning up yeah. in the face of such embarrassment and shame and, and kept on showing up, kept on showing up. And after six or seven years, Terry Blackburn, who I spoke Newcastle, Oliver Lodge, and another guy down the northwest had the, the different bespokes. Um, and we sadly don't talk no more, me and the other guy. Um, but, but we got on a call. We, we met a few different financial services networks. I was the run of the litter. I had a little team. Mm -hmm. I was a good salesman, but I wasn't on their level. They were all EMF for me, the golden boys of the industry. Well, they were the golden boys, the future of the industry. And I went along with them for the ride, really. We met a few different firms. I knew in my mind I couldn't get signed off. I still had this big ball and chain called debt <laughs> carrying around me in financial services. That's a fucking life sentence. You can't get signed off. So I met a few people and one of the meetings, and then we we're just going to decide which company we we're going to take this brain, this this brainstorm, this idea called Bespoke Financial to one of the networks and, and set up a company up, Steve. And with the windmill on the A19, just in the outside of Hartlepool, yeah. I met a guy called Richard Coulson, uh, Bob Scott, who used to be part of the network. Um, we don't talk no more, sadly, either. That's what this industry does. It, it, you know, it, money creates issues in this industry, sadly. Terry Blackburn and, and a guy called Gary Thorpe, and we do talk, he's a nice fella. We get to the room, met Bob. Bob had a lot of experience, been in the game a long time, he'd done really well. Gary Thorpe, a successful man from Newcastle. Me and Terry, starry-eyed, bright-eyed kids, sat looking up, and Richard Coulson comes in. He's, he's been quite renowned as one of the greatest ever in this industry, so it was like a like a Bobby Robson, you know, coming in. It was coincidentally as Richard's hero. Comes in, shakes hands, shook hands on with me. Hey, Richard, how are you doing? Proper handshake, eyeball contact. Sit down, get a cup of tea, let's have a crack. Let's find out a bit about you. And he's a ball of energy, he's all hands in. Let's get good. Brilliant. And that, that girl come in who I knew called Nikki. About a week, two weeks earlier, we'd had a, a palm weight competition for charity for Great Ormond Street. And um, in that place, and because she'd looked after us, Old school, took a little bunch of flowers, said, listen, thanks for looking after us. Really appreciate it, thank you. She gets away and, and, and that was it, but we'd sort of stayed in contact for that. She comes in with the coffee, sees me, Steve, and she's like, hey, how we... gives me a cuddle, how are you doing it? Richard, wily old fox, clocked it straight away, forever the salesman. And he said, look, get a cup of tea, pour a coffee, I'm gonna go upstairs, go to the bathroom, start without me every five minutes. It wasn't until about three years later that he pulled me and said, I didn't go to the bathroom. I went and pulled that girl and he put it on her. He said, look, I mean that, can I trust that man? He's got a load of debt, he's had a shit time. Do you, and anyway, thank the Lord. Isn't it funny how the universe and God mm -hmm. put things together? Nikki said, I promise you now, give that man a chance. He's a good kid. And God bless that girl now because he gave me a chance. Richard, Bob did at the time, although we don't speak no more, he fought my corner to try and get me signed off. Vicky Ellis and Tony Smith, who's just wonderful, Liram. They took a chance on me. And, um, you know, I don't forget things like that. I'm very loyal, Labrador Lee. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I remember it, Steve, and I'm still here with them people now. And, and while they're here, I'll still be here because if it wasn't for them, mm -hmm. they took a chance on me. They, they helped me get through six months. Where I go for all these fucking chats. I didn't think it was going to happen. And bam, we got signed off. And then we started Bespoke Financial Group. And again, you know, seven and a half years ago, Excuse me, we started the journey and I, I got a lot of help in the beginning. Kit's mum, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. worked for me. She was a great help in setting the business up. Nathan Steele, who's now a business partner, Michelle and Darren, who are business partners, come in. My sister, Louise, my brother, Aaron, and loads of great, brilliant people joined our business model. And listen, I, I'm very lucky now that I'm at the summer small part. I'm a small part of this massive machine that bespoke at Newcastle in health, bespoke health, and bespoke Teesside. That is just like a, a record breaking, all conquering firm. And this is the best firm in the UK. There's no two ways about it. I mean, the, the, it's not like I'm a small part of that business, and I'm very proud, mate. They fucking smash it. They nail in the rest of the country. So whatever you see on social, it just in true like these completely steamroll everything that comes to them and be part of the journey. I've got to say, apart from my kids, it's been the greatest experience of my life. And I, I find my lucky stars and the insurance gods. Have you ever seen the girl since the girl from the bar? Have I, I haven't seen her. No. I, think I haven't seen it. I'll do no. a silver black. I'll track it down. I won't track it down. But the uh, but down, yeah. at some point you'll bump into her in the metro center or somewhere, and it's you know Byron of the bunch of flowers. But one thing that I was going to seamlessly yeah. like transition to is that you, you talk all the time about how passionate you are with your team, yeah. but then likewise giving people a chance. I don't know if you're happy to almost talk about your team and yeah. people that you yeah. know that like we've been on calls before where you've got guys that used to work in as the warehouse and now they've you've you're you're able to pay it forward are you happy to yeah. talk about why that's important of course i mean i'm very proud of them mate, yeah um well our industry we recruit people because we recruit self-employed people get them in there's no product to buy there's no it's an easy entry life insurance mm-hmm. if you've got university you can learn it within two or three months if you talk properly by a good firm with the, with the right process and you know we've done all right at that we've got some experience um, looking enough because the, ex- the people, experienced people we've got here met. Michelle Carter joined me five years ago. Kit's mum, who doesn't work with us now, but runs a really good business with with her friend who's another good lass, um, introduced me to Michelle. She come in doing part-time admin. Michelle is one of the, the most influential people in the industry now. Nathan Steele's next door. The boy wonder. I met Nathan. Our mate Lee brought him in. Great lad. And he said, this could be good. And a chat, he was going to go and do Camp America. He went, I won't go, I'll come with you. And I said, go to Camp America. Yeah. There's my number. Phone when you get back. Live your life first. So you were 21 year old. And Nathan's special. He's special. He's, he'll go, and Nathan will be my records and wherever else. And he'll go on to be the greatest in the industry. I've got no two ways about that. Brad Rathbone, Brad Rathbone mm-hmm. joined us from Astor Warehouse. He's now the number one advisor in the UK. The Gorman family, Sarah Coleman, Haley Little, brilliant. Um, Francis Howie, Sophie T, Gina, my sister Louise, my brother Aaron, Jordan Smith, Aaron Burns. I imagine I, I could go on. And Darren Rawson, he, he was my mate, he was out at work scaffolding. He said, What's this endurance thing? I said, Look, come and join us. He said, Fucking mate, I could go on. And on. They're, they're marvelous, marvelous. Bunch. My point is, is, is that with not everyone and not many employees would give people a chance. You know mm. what I mean? And it's that kind yeah. of thing of when. When you never said before about how you, you got your bullshit meter and you've got different firms that all talk the talk and stuff, but actually to take a chance on someone that's got no qualifications and you know, they're working in Astro or something. So actually say, look, come here, graft, work hard. If you shit, you shit, well, I'll get rid of you. But actually, and it's that ability to almost be, I've got, you know, the John Lennon uh, song, Working Class Hero. It's that yeah. ability to kind of pay. Oh, I love that. I think it's the Scabs thing, but it's just not everyone <laughs> does that. But I know how much you talk about and you celebrate. Yeah. You talk about Palmos almost every week on your. Uh, socials mm-hmm. but no i just think it's a fascinating story to kind of go through Thanks. do you mind if we jump into some of the kind of topics that we've kind of I've, I've planned out about three yeah. or four different things yeah. what it means to you and we'll just have a 
you know, talk about different stuff. Is that cool? First one, sales. What to you are the secrets to sales and why do you love it so much? Secrets to sales? Yeah. Well, it's the secret to being successful in sales. It can be. Yeah, okay. Selling is a very human thing to do. We do it from the day we're born. Crying to get your mum to change an appetite is a form of selling. It's a form of influence. Mm-hmm. And sales is the most important part of any business, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The people, sales, same thing. Um, and I feel that it, it's a teachable skill. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just helping people make better decisions. That's a really good thing to do. And there's a reason it's the most highest paid job in the world. And it's something that not many people can master. Um, it's why it's such a in-demand, you know, commodity. Mm-hmm. But sales, I'm very passionate about sales. I think it's something that we can all do better at. I think we should be taught at school. I think we need to completely move away from what we once were with sales, which is Del Boy, yeah. brilliant. The Wolf of Wall Street, Arthur Daly, cigars, shifting course, slick back hair. Let's, sales is a very different thing now. It's a profession and it's, it's more about stop listening and collaborating and helping people make better choices. Because mm-hmm. yeah. one of the things that I certainly find that definitely helps with sales. So if sales, if you pick up the phone or you approach someone to say hello to them, it, for me, it links massively with personal branding. Because if people already know who Lee is, they kind of get a vibe of what you're about, what you're passionate about, your family and stuff. They're a lot more likely to take that phone call and then actually trust that what you're saying they can believe versus some guy they've never mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about personal branding, how you got into it and why it's important to you? Yeah, I agree with what you just said, by the way. Personal branding is important to me now because I understand that the only reason we don't really like something or a bit fearful or critical or something is when we don't understand something. Mm-hmm. Clover, Michelle and Lou from Wonder Film, on the day we went into lockdown two years ago, they said to me, luckily we wouldn't do some videos. We think it'd be great just to capture, just be you and just whatever you come out with. Load of nonsense, opinionated, quite marmite, whatever it is that you just say what you think and do what you do what you want to do. And I was stiff on doing the video. I was like, it was awful. I hated it. I was like, nobody wants to watch this shit. It's pointless. And we did it. And then it becomes quite the addiction. And you start to think, oh, I'm actually a leader of a business. And it's my responsibility and obligation to make sure that people know who this business is and who this group of people are through telling that our story, my values, my beliefs, the, the people telling their backstory, what it is we do, and just really being just documenting our day and letting people be visible to be able to see because we don't have a shop down the high street. Mm-hmm. We don't have a product that we can say, look at the shan. It's we are the product, you know, we're helping people make better choices. It's my obligation to promote our, our brand online and give people access to what we do and the people that do it. I completely agree. And I think what I find quite funny is that the it's scary to do. And what true story. So even before we came on, my business this morning had 1,070 followers. Oh. One of my colleagues, Ashley, did a live stream this morning. It was brilliant. Oh. Before we logged on, we've now got 1,069. So someone was like, look, this isn't for me, unfollow. But oh. that's okay because what you essentially do is weed out the people that just aren't for you they're just someone else but it's that it's the it's scary because as soon as you put something out there some people mm-hmm. are gonna fucking hate me but that's fine because they're not gonna buy my stuff anyway but you kind of 99 percent of people are always too scared to ever do it and i really respect that you do a lot of video because actually 
you are quite literally putting yourself out there to get shot at. Do you ever get hate mm. or have you ever had people kind of criticize you online? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not getting hit, you're not doing it right. Like the <laughs> thing is, what are you trying to do online? What, what's your purpose? So for me, it's just part of my daily routine. Now I just want to document my story and my journey and show who I am, what my beliefs are, what we do, who are the people I work with and who my family is and, and what, what drives me? It, it would be, it wouldn't be human if that, if everybody liked that. That wouldn't be real. Yeah. Some one, people don't like it. Sorry. One of my mates uh, was in the army, and he's still, you know, doing really well in his career, but he's starting oh, to get to a really oh. senior level, and he still worries about what other CEOs or other people think about mm. him and will they judge him. And when we were talking recently, it's the fact that exactly what you just said, as long as you're honest with your story, you don't pretend that you're anything you're not and just be, that's your mm -hmm. viewpoint on stuff. Yeah. It doesn't matter if someone else disagrees, but okay. it was just as someone that actually religiously, you post multiple times a day and I rarely respect that because I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. just, um, I was just keen to kind of get your, do you encourage your team to do it as well? Yeah, definitely, 100%. So there's two, there's two reasons there. We get a lot, of, I've had hate, I've had videos made of me, I've, I've been called this and that, and inbox, I got a picture yesterday off of someone off Jumanji that someone said I look like, and I, I don't like this, I don't agree with that. Other people's opinions got nothing to do with me. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with me, them posting something positive, negative, be grateful for it either way, and really, it doesn't really matter. The point is, it doesn't really matter. At least they've seen it. If nobody was seeing anything you were doing, that's the main thing. Can I talk to you about success? Because yeah. you've posted a few times. There was a post, I, th I think it was a Rockcliffe Hall, I'm not sure. It was one of your friend's Ferraris. And you go back to being 18. You were saying about how actually mm. growing up, you kind of hated people that seemed to have stuff. But obviously you've gone through your career and you now, as I do, really respect people that have worked hard and grafted. How has your view of like success changed over the years? Yeah. Um, what is success? I mean, success for me is, is is not what you've got. It's how far you've come from where you were and how many people you've helped along the way. Um, what do you gauge success on? What are, we, what are we judging it on? In what reference point, relationship, uh, fitness, health, money, success, people you've helped, being a good person. Mm -hmm. What do you gauge success on? And for me, it's just how far you've come from where you were and where you're going to. People who are successful from an entrepreneurial point of view, I think it's brilliant. I think success leaves clues. I think you've got to be happy for anybody who does well. And it's always process over product. Stop worrying about the Ferrari. Focus on what he had to do to get the Ferrari. Yeah. Success is like Hansel and Gretel. They will drop breadcrumbs for you to pick up on the way. And this is a really interesting point. From sales, people are always trying to invent new, a new way of doing things. And I love creativity, but I mean, sometimes just do what works. Yeah. Do what works, you know. Um, if it gets good results, do it, copy it, make it your own over time. But don't be scared of repetition. Don't be scared of sort of like copying successful people. I'm inspired by all successful people. I'm inspired by anyone who's happy. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's wonderful to see people do well. And that's quite new for me because yeah. I used to literally walk, I drive past. I remember watching Sopranos and Tony Soprano says, if he's driving down, which is the greatest show ever, in my opinion, he's driving on the road and he sees someone happy whistling and he said, I want to get out and fucking pound his face. He spoke directly to my soul. I used to think, I fucking hate happy people. <laughs> and really, how fucking sad's that? So, you know, when someone posts me online about 
Lee's got big teeth. Like, yeah, I, I do have big teeth, yeah. Like, Lee's this. Read The Four Agreements. That's a great book and, and I think it's chapter two. Stop taking things personal. Yeah. Other people's opinions got nothing to do with you. It takes away, it detaches the emotion from that. Mm-hmm. Successful people are doing nothing but celebrate success. I think it's fucking wonderful. Because one of the things that I think comes really comes across in your social media is how much you love your family. And it's almost, were you at the WWF, WWE recently? You love your wrestling? I love wrestling, yeah. How has being a parent kind of changed over time? Because you're pretty wise now. You've got a good vibe on both, you know, the challenges that your kids might go through, but likewise the inspiration to kind of help them go for their dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Um, But you, you change the person, which means you change the parent. I love my kids unconditionally the big biggest blessing that i've ever been graced with by god the most amazing gift in the world and every any parent would say the same thing about their loved ones whether it be children or partners whatever it may be um so that's not like exclusive just to me being a parent what would a more message would i pass on for my children but it, i just want them to i'm sorry no no that's what i was gonna say it's almost with because you've been through challenges and you had a tough childhood now that you are a parent I guess the ability to kind of give them stuff that you never had and help them grow and develop and be ambitious and stuff must be quite fulfilling. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. I think I can offer them. I think I can offer a lot as a leader, being a parent or leader of a team because I've been through a lot of shit <laughs> and then we've had some success as well. And what that does, is it gives you experience and empathy. And they're so vital when you, when you're leading people, whether that be as a parent, whether that be as a leader, but my children, all they want to do to my children is just protect them create an environment where they feel loved, warm, and I've got a lot of things wrong as being a parent, I'm ashamed to say. Mm-hmm. When you're a raging drug addict, how could you not get things wrong? And I made some bad fucking mistakes that will eat away at my soul for the rest of my life. I'm a perfect parent. Mate, no. There's people in this team who I look up to and idolise mm-hmm. just for the, the brilliant dads they are. I just think, I'd love to be that normal, be like that. Um, but I'm trying my best. Yeah, but you said yourself nice. before the yeah. all the best people are a little bit different. Yeah, do you know what I mean? No, nobody that's very vanilla, very kind of bland, will ever change the world. Do you know what I mean? What's the yeah. dream? What you know? Imagine fifteen years from now. What? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in fifteen years? Yeah, a long time. I didn't think I'd make forty year old. You know, overdosing and, and drugs and addiction. I never thought I'd make forty year old um different different i've got different visions on my vision board i want to be a good dad i want to be a great dad i want to i want my children to be healthy mm-hmm. and to be happy i want to have a loving relationship with my children and I'm just watching them achieve all their goals and dreams if i'm in a position to do that then i'm very very happy from a career point of view the vision is to make bespoke the greatest of all time and, and i'll make it really obvious all i'm i want to be the greatest ever to have done this job i believe the truth uh, i believe that time will plow and prove that 500 advisors doing a set amount of money per year and helping people create a successful, sustainable, profitable business model through our experience, empathy, our core values and, and helping people get to that level is, and, and helping clients and families and friends protect themselves by getting honest, open, transparent advice. I just want my kids to be healthy and happy, mate, and have, have a good life. And no. I'm clean and sober in the meantime, and God bless them. I'm, I'm happy. Because, but, but, you know, people, again, you know, 
people always focus on stuff manana tomorrow i wish i had that and you know they almost think that if they had the lamborghini they'd be happy when actually mm. the truth is the stuff that probably make them happy they probably already got and even just yesterday i got a phone call from my mum that my uncle that was like a father figure to me when growing up was rushed to hospital for 2 a.m for like he had a problem so but it, it just it proves that <clears throat> almost the your day-to-day -day stuff about worrying about replying to emails or, or crappy stuff in the grand scheme of mm. things soon doesn't matter you know your health and your family and stuff is, is arguably yeah. kind of what's what's really important uh, i absolutely agree with that i think there's a couple of points in there first of all i hope your uncle's okay uh we don't know yet okay well <laughs> thinking of your brother okay god bless him i think um that's what they, when people law of attraction vision boards dreaming things thoughts become things dreaming things and speaking things into reality i wish i had that one day i'll get that I've already got all these things. I'm the greatest ever. I live in my dream house. I'm married to my dream woman. I'm clean and sober. My kids are achieving their dreams. So people might think Lee's arrogant. Lee's is. I'm just living in that reality. I choose to say these things have already happened. I've got these things. They're out there. They're just not with me yet. And that's how I live my life. So instead of thinking, oh, I wish I had, it's coming. It's already here. I've already got all them things. That's how you've got to attract these things in your life. That's how you um, you create a law of attraction. That's you know, you make these mm -hmm. things, you attract them too. You, you've got to act as if you've already got them. You've got to live in that parallel universe. Is it it's some sort of, you know, brainwash yourself through propaganda? I, I have got this. I'm driving this car. I'm married to that dream woman. I'm already, I've already got them things. Uh, yeah, our words that we want. Florence Shovelshin, what a great book that is. The Secret, The Alchemist. Read things. I imagine they're already here and they will come. One of the things that's really started to freak me out a little bit is that someone said to me when I was young that almost everything you ever go through will help steer you and nudge you to where you're meant to be for whatever reason. And it's almost, I'm starting to, do you watch Marvel films? There's a film that came out recently called Doctor Strange, but it's almost where, it, for me, I've been thinking this more and more, every, I feel like every mistake and stuff that another me's made, I'm just, I keep getting a nudge that I don't know how I got here today, that I'll get an inspiration from a film or a song or something, and it tells me what to do so that I know how to improve my life, and even the podcast and talking to people, I almost, it sounds really, and I'm not religious, I was, went to a Catholic school and I was raised religious, but at the moment it's not for me, okay. but I still feel that something is guiding me to a certain point, and almost, I've kind of just got faith it's going to work out and I, d I don't think everyone has that but I get the impression you um, have faith in everything you're kind of doing yep I do yeah faith in the universe faith in God I think we're, I think we're creators I think that you know things are mapped out for us and I feel like read The Alchemist that's my favourite book of all time that Santiago's journey we, what we think is is we just pinball into where we're supposed to be mm -hmm. um one hundred percent, I believe in destiny and fate, and you know things will play out for us. But we create that reality through our spoken word, through our thoughts. And you're not about there watching movies and certain things that you'll watch or read or listen to will influence you. Mm -hmm. Be fucking careful what you listen to. Then I, <laughs> I couldn't agree anymore. Make sure you're listening to the right things. There's nowhere on earth listening to my humble opinion. Yeah. Radiohead, the Carpenters watching sad fucking murder documentaries constantly every single night on Netflix. Mm -hmm. That's, an, I, I don't see no, if you study, you know, about success, none of them do that. I can They don't do you. that. I've got a question that I almost forgot because I was about to go towards the end of the interview. Oh, yeah. yeah. Someone, I can't remember who it is, so apologies if you catch up on this. What does a day in the life of Lee Flanagan look like? A day in my life? Yeah. 
What time well, do you get up? Just yeah. all, all the way through, average day. Depends what day. So if it was a working day when I don't have my son because my kids don't live with me, I'm up at 4, 4.30. Uh, I drop to my knees and I pray. Uh, my house is upside down at the minute because I'm about to move, but I usually go downstairs, have a black coffee or two. And I just write down pages and pages and pages of things that I'm grateful for, the most simple things. Health, wealth, uh, food in the fridge, clothes in the cupboards, my beautiful children, my family, my friends, God, faith, experience. And I just list things that I'm grateful for. Then I write down like, my goals. I am, I am everything I want to be. I drive the Bentley. I live in my dream home. I'm married to the dream woman. I go on holiday with my kids to Disneyland. And I've created, I, I act as if it's already happened. Then I'll go for a walk, my dog Chase, a little Frenchie. Then I'll be at the gym for six on the dot. Or I'll go train at six on the dot. I'll train and uh, and I'll be in the office. I always try and be the first in the office and the last one out. And I'll, I'll if I'm if it's not a day when I get my kids, I'll post on social seven or eight times a day because mm-hmm. um, I believe in massive action. I think if someone's posting once, well, they just post eight times more than you get eight times more traction. I don't believe in words like saturation and algorithm and all that. I don't believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. I think it's a con. I just think do more and get more traction. Like. And, and that's how I live my life. In work, I just do more than anyone else. And I'm really intense, just got my way. I make shopping lists, which is a job list. And I highlight through, very old-fashioned. I do that. I do three things at a time, keys, three keys, job list, job list, job list. Like if, you have a, if you don't have a shopping list and you go to Tesco, you end up walking around aimlessly, spending a fortune, and coming out with not what you wanted, write your shopping list. And, I'll do, and, I, and that's it. I, I do it every day. I try and meet as many good people as can, distance myself from dream killers and mood hoovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the days when I have my son, or if I say I want honey, I'm a totally different lady. I don't have a lot of work and I see my kids at the weekend. It's my favorite time. No uh, respect. It was just someone asked a question that I almost forgot, but I'd kick myself yeah. if uh, I hadn't. Um, I do respect your time, so we're going to kind of start to wrap up now. There's a few questions that I ask everyone, and it's, it, it is my favorite bit of the kind of interview. Um, what's the best piece of advice you ever had? What's uh, <laughs> the best piece of advice I ever had? Yeah. Be yourself. I think be yourself. That was something that Chloe said. That basically, almost she was told when she was going to set up the business, oh, you have to wear a business suit and you have to dress smart and you have to speak posh and you have to. And she was like, "Fuck that!" And it was the best. Fuck that. Yeah. yeah. Was, that, that would. Come on, sorry. No, no. I, 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 I just think it's it's. I I agree with you that the most important thing is be yourself. But one thing that I will say is that with um, when you were saying before about how there's things that you maybe did in the past when you're on drugs or whatever that you kind of regret nobody's perfect that actually it's almost yeah. it's, it's accepting that you're human mm. as well that you know as long as you didn't do it maliciously on purpose which some people mm. do by the way mm. you know mistakes and stuff that i've made in the past that it was it was naivety it was just it just it is what it is but i didn't do it on purpose and that's how you almost kind of forgive yourself or you know at least i try to yeah. but it's um yeah i think people often forget that you know we are human and we all kind of doing mm. our best and that's kind yeah. of yeah, I get that much. I think a lot of my mistakes, cheating on certain girls, disgusting, fucking deplorable behaviour. And that wouldn't be drugs, that would be me. I've got to take accountability and, and responsibility for that. Things that I've done in the past, some drug related, some drink related, some not. I've made some mistakes not related to alcohol and substance abuse. And I've got to take accountability. Back to the advice, I've tried to rack my brain. Don't take drugs, repeat the fucking best advice. Um, be yourself. Richard Coulson, my mentor, says to me a lot, get your tracksuit back on. 
And what it means is Bobby Robson told him on a flight, and Bobby Robson was his uncle, was his uncle, was his hero. Um, and he says to me, like, get your tracksuit back on. And over the past year, we've been focused on different projects for business, myself, Nate, Daz, and Michelle have been out the business a little bit. And now I've got my tracksuit back on the training ground in here. This is what I love to do. So get your tracksuit on and do what you love. So what do you, what do you mean by the tracksuit? Is in just like get on graft on what you want to do? Sometimes when you're running a business, right, you're, you're focused on things that are not actually productive and not that yeah. important. I'm going to have a meeting with this guy. Who is he? He does um, algorithms online. I'm going to see him in this next month. What does he do? He does branding and design work. Right? Okay. Who's his next guy? HR. Are you going to speak to the team? Are you going to do the training? The thing that got you there in the first place, focus on that. So get, be, to have your tracks on, spend time on the training ground with the guys. Otherwise, you end up doing meeting after meeting after meeting and you forget to feed what feeds you. Respect. I get that. Um, last question. If you were to give advice to your younger self and you can pick you were 13, 14, bedwetting, 16, whatever age you want. If you were to give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Um, don't take drugs and work harder. Okay. I work harder. I was playing football at that time. Now, I never made it football because the lads were better than me. Mm -hmm. I really believe in, in the value of hard work. If I'd have worked as hard as football, what I'd do at this job, would I have went a bit further? More than likely. I'm not saying I would be Ronaldo or Messi because that's, you know, a lot of football's based on your physical attributes and talent. Um, but work harder. I didn't really know what working hard was until I started this job. And working hard just separates you from the rest of the pack. It, it just does. Yeah. It does. What do you think the younger you that had 20 quid in the pocket when he was going down, spent it on booze, what would he think if he knew that he would turn into you 13 years later? Um, well, well, you know what? I've always been a dreamer, so I probably thought, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right there. I would have thought that because I always... I'm kicking a ball against my mum's wall and Winnie Banks. It's going off thinking I was Benny Slave. And I always like, visualise greatness. I always get out the bath. I have the towel above my head. Forget, imagine it's a butter flag and I'm winning the award <laughs> for the sport. I believe in visualization and I've always I've always dreamed of bigger things and better things. So I would have thought, yeah, is that all we've won? Probably done a bit more than that. That's what I would I would have without being arrogant, it's important, I'm honest, I, I would have thought, yeah, we will do that, yeah. I respect that, I respect that. Um is there anything you would like to talk about unplugged before we go? No, no plugs at all. I'm very grateful for you jumping on. Oh, sorry, asking me to jump on. <laughs> um you're a good guy, I've got a lot of respect for you and yeah, well done. I hope your uncle gets better, mate. Uh, I must do it just when, um, yeah, when you get the phone call from your mum and she's not happy, you know, she's a bit upset and whatever. But it just kind of brings it home that the, you know, we all do our best and we all do our work stuff and we focus on bits and bobs. But I rarely, you know, kind of, what's funny, you know, I track your stuff and, you know, but when you're busy, like I don't get to like all mm. of your stuff, but I still mm. see it. Mm. And it was interesting yesterday when my wife said, oh, that league, I've seen some of the stuff, it's really mm. good. And mm. just people that are brave enough to kind of put stuff out into the world, it is noticed. People do notice. And I think it's important. And it's almost because often people don't pat you on the back. You have to just keep going. And often when people don't reply, you know, it's it's hard. But I've, you know, I respect what you're doing. I respect what you do in the business. But almost the way that you celebrate the team and the fact that you spent five minutes before just shouting out team members. Nobody's done that in 100 episodes. You know what I mean? Really? It, but it just shows how much and why it's important to you, which I think is really yeah. awesome. Um, I, Thank well, you, I know you've probably got kids to go and pick up or something to go and do. So I respect your time. Um, have mm -hmm. a great rest of your week. Stay in touch. And uh, yeah, if you, have, if you have need anything, just shout.
Likewise, yeah. man. Thank you Cheers so up. much. Best wishes. Cheers Take care. Up. Say bye.